0: Your time horizon inside of the military is much shorter and your ability to do a three-year or a five-year plan is virtually negated completely. How many times have you thought about implementing something and you realize that the person who replaces you can change everything? This is the Military Sherpa podcast, left, right, left leadership insights from America's best with your military Sherpa, Mark Tilsher. Welcome back to the Military Sherpa podcast. I am your host, Mark, and today I am tackling a question I get asked all the time. And the question is, how does the work that we do in Giant inside of the military differ from the work that we do in the civilian sector? How is military and civilian leadership different? And the answer is probably more complicated than you think that it's going to be. And in my mind, I always held up military as the epitome of leadership, that it's what everyone should aspire to be. And I still believe that in many cases. And the reason that I think that that's still true in in most regards is that the military cares more about people, by my estimation, than any other industry in the world. There's a few industries, I think, that are a close and notable second, like the uh, professional sports or collegiate sports, for example. But I think that when it comes to caring about people, The military is absolutely second to none. But there are a lot of things that are working against us, and most military members don't see them. So in this podcast episode, my intent today, my intent is to get you to see some of what I see and hopefully help you so that moving forward, you don't make the same mistakes that so many military leaders do. So let's start talking about it. Here's the first one. The biggest thing working against military leaders, as far as I can tell, is the transience of military members. Military members are moving all the time. And so whatever it is that you're trying to implement, you have to combat this constant changing of military guard. Every three years, every four years, 100% of your organization turns over to include the leadership. There is no civilian equivalent of that. There's no civilian organization in the world where everyone to include the founder, you know, the owner of the business changes every three to four years. But in the military, that is absolutely the standard. That's the norm. And if you're at a base longer than four years or so, that's a long time. And there are some differences in CONUS when it comes to the enlisted members, but generally speaking, that's the idea. In the civilian sector, people don't move that quickly. Leadership doesn't swap out that often. And so there are some changes, and the work that we do in the civilian sector reflects that. One of the first things that happens is there's a tremendous impact on both productivity and morale inside of the military sector. In the military, it is very difficult to establish long-term, productive, efficient, effective relationships. That if I work next to you and we work next to each other for 10 years and we have a strong relationship, we can rely and depend on each other. We finish each other's sandwiches. Not literally, that would be gross, but we finish each other's sentences. I know you. I know how you'll react, what you do at your best, what you do at your worst, where I need to fit in with you and where I can compliment you in the work that you do. And in the military, this is always working against us. And so it increases, as far as I can tell, competition versus collaboration. It increases some of the friction and it de-incentivizes, as far as I can see, it de-incentivizes working things out because sometimes we can PCS problems away. If I'm going to work next to somebody for 10 or 15 years, I have an incentive to work out and have tough and difficult conversations. We're in the military sometimes. We're not incentivized to do that. We can let problems PCS. They'll work themselves out when we both leave. Next, one of the things that's really working against military leaders is the inability to follow through on long-term plans. If I take over a business in the civilian sector, I'm going to have a three-year plan, a five-year plan. I'm going to have a vision for where we're headed. Your time horizon inside of the military is much shorter, and your ability to do a three-year or a five-year plan is virtually negated completely. How many times have you thought about implementing something and you realize that the person who replaces you can change everything? And I had a great captain. And he would really mentor me and I would get really stressed and wrapped around the axle on things that I wanted to do. And once he looked me in the eye and just said, you know, why are you so worried about this? The person that that comes after you, they can change all of this. None of this will stay after you're gone. And it was such an impactful moment for me. And it got me to focus on what I could both impact and what would be sustainable. And so many military members are forced to make that decision. They're forced to lean into short-term planning rather than long-term planning and the organization uh, it suffers for that short-term planning means that we utilize and take advantage of resources that provide us short-term benefit that come at long-term cost that short-term turnaround that that's where we get the idea of let's spend all of our money now on things we don't need because we'll lose our money next year if we were long-term planning that money would be better utilized through long-term investment rather than short-term gain to avoid short-term pain And so this inability to account for long-term planning really hurts the military member, for sure. We're better at building quick relationships because of this. And so one of the things is, yeah, we don't uh, establish long-term relationships, but we can have very intense short-term relationships. We get to know each other really quickly, really well. And we see these bonds form very quickly, which is really neat. So I think that that's really important to recognize that it's not all bad, but it has a negative impact on the organization. And that's for sure. And then we're also better at building continuity because we know that people are going to be moving. We bake continuity and, and succession planning into everything that we do. There's always a plan to replace us because we're about to leave. Like when you're an Airman Leadership School instructor, you got one year to train, one year to work, one year to train somebody else. That's your cycle. So you get one year to be super hyper productive. Imagine in the civilian sector, you, know, you have a teacher that's there for 20 years. They get one year to train, 19 years to work, and then one year to train somebody else. It's like that's a very different time horizon to think about perfecting your tool, perfecting your trade, and highly specializing in what you do. So just a a trade-off there. Some of it is good, but most of it, by my estimation, is negative. The next thing I want to talk about is really close to my heart, and it's this idea that when we look at people development, we don't measure people development against key performance indicators. So here's what I mean by that. If we do, if our job is to generate sorties, and we're gonna bring in an outside speaker, an outside trainer, an outside certifying organization, we don't measure that performance, that, that generating of sorties, against that training we just did. Does the training that we just did, the people development that we're engaging in, is it increasing our performance against the indicators that really matter? In the civilian sector, we're obsessed with key performance indicators. We're obsessed with money and efficiency. And all of those things really do matter. And they matter inside the military just as much as the civilian sector. But in the military, we don't measure against key performance indicators when it comes to people development. And so because of that, we're not measuring how training impacts the team. Instead, we're measuring how many people we're training. Hey, we trained 55 people. Hey, we trained. And on our performance reports under the old bullet system, you know, we'd always try to to tie training into the mission but it was always cosmetic right it was like hey i went to this training and i did this big thing but you couldn't really tie that thing that you did to the big thing that happened on the back end as much as you might try there was no way to link those two things together so what ends up happening is that we focus on people development that we're passionate about and we measure our success by whether you attended class whether you taught others or you organized an event and depending on which of those three things that you did you'll get a different amount of credit for them but it's not about how the training impacted morale people health or team performance And this to me is the most glaringly obvious gap between the military and the civilian sector. In the civilian sector, there's a role and it's called the chief people officer. And the chief people officer's job is to look at data and steer professional development based on that data so that performance of the organization increases. By my estimation, there is no military equivalent of that. We're not going in and taking our our key performance indicators, how the organization is doing as a whole, and forcing and focusing our QA and our ADAs and all of these different positions and really focusing them on making those numbers better. And so, what ends up happening is we end up chasing the next thing. And every military leader I've ever met has said, Hey, we really need to get more tools into our military members' toolboxes, as if this is this magical solution that's going to allow you to fit. Well, if I just give you John Maxwell, if I just give you Stephen Covey, if I just give you Mark Tilscher, if I just give you all of these people, you're just magically going to get better and know what to do and how to implement that in your organization. And I think it's a recipe for disaster. I don't think it works because what you end up with is competing ideologies all over the organization. No standard on which one we should be following and then we don't implement anything and see it through to conclusion. And we have a company that we work with in Giant. And they pay us $50,000 a month roughly, and we saved them a million dollars a year in turnover just through integration with them, not to mention performance and morale and all the other things that come along with it. That organization would never say, yeah, we did that last quarter. This quarter, we need to do something else. Now, that organization takes both hands, and they grip on tightly to Giant, and they say, never leave us. We can't stand to lose you. Even though we pay you a bunch of money, you save us so much. Our organization has never been the same since you came into it because they implemented it from start through to completion and now they stick with it and it's responsible for the churn and the developing of the people in their organization and in the military instead what it is is well you did that last quarter so you got to do something different this quarter hey you did that last year but you got to do something different this year hey the last commander did that so you can't do that oh yeah we've already done this or we've already touched that oh yeah that came here three years ago and it's like well if it works why would we not just stick to the one thing it's cheaper that's for sure And the idea that it's going to touch our key performance indicators increases because one set of common language permeates across the organization. And if you think that you're going to to see dramatic growth and dramatic change by having a non-standard leadership language, a non-objective language that's not viral, that's not permeating the organization, that everyone isn't participating and partaking in, I think that you're fooling yourself. But that is the governing military philosophy. Let's put as many tools into our people's toolboxes as we possibly can and never focus on how those things actually impact the organization. It's insane. Absolutely insane to me. And so it's these things, I think, that when it comes to leadership in the military and the civilian sector really come into play. It's that first really short time horizon. Commanders are here for like two years, maybe three, and then they've got to move on. Six months to figure it out, one year to implement change, six months to freeze that change into place. That's the cycle. Then they move on. When it comes to our military leaders, we don't measure performance against our key performance indicators. And then we challenge people to do something different every quarter, every year. And we don't promote them if they don't change and they don't do different. And so nothing gets seen through to the end. And this is the challenge. And obviously, I'm going to talk about what we do. But inside of Giant, inside the military Sherpa group, we have assessments that we have 90-day cycles. Where we come into your organization and we say, look, we are going to take this assessment. We're going to figure out what your top three, your top five problems are. 90 days from now, those top three or top five problems are going to be different. Every single cycle, every 90 days. If you do this cycle every 90 days, one year from now, your biggest cultural issues will be behind you. Your communication, relationships, alignment, execution, and capacity, your team performance will be increased. The people health will be increased. And it's like 10 bucks a month per team member. So if you got 10 people on your team, it's like a thousand bucks a year to be a part of this process. We do monthly workshops. We do all this crazy stuff, but you need to be a part of it. Stop focusing on all of these other things. You can send your people to different courses and different classes, or you can get them all doing the same thing. Measure their success based on your key performance indicators and put a number to what you're doing. It's superior than the alternative. Stuffing people's toolboxes full of random crap that may or may not work and that they don't all understand and share. So MilitarySherpa.com, that's where you find out about our coaching program where we teach people how to do this. And you just go to uh, Mark at You can email me directly if you want to start getting your team on this 90-day cycle. I hope to see you soon. I'll talk to you later. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Military Sherpa Podcast with Mark Tilscher.